What is up, good people? Welcome to Music Mostly, the podcast where we celebrate the music that is important to us. Thank you so much for joining us. Off the rip, every week, we like to give a giant shout out to our brothers and sisters in the service industry, holding it down for everybody so that you can try and have a little bit of normalcy in this fucking godforsaken year that is 2020 almost eight months i just counted it's eight months since eight. since the march shutdown yeah yeah eight months mm-hmm. that these people have been working at diminished capacity making diminished money and they're still out there trying to serve trying to make your day a little bit better so the very least you can do the absolute least you can do is just wear a mask and don't be a jerk and tip really 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 well and just be appreciative, be patient, and you know what? Just thank them. Thank them for doing the job that they're doing. Uh, you guys got anything else to add to that? I like your words. Fuck yeah. It's time to talk about music. It's time to talk about life. We Yes, we know you're gonna like We got some tasty hot takes And the jams we just had to kick So saddle up good people While we talk a little bit about music Music, music, music I am your host, and my name is Will Olson, and as always, I am just ecstatic to be here. I am joined by my good friend and singer, songwriter, and regional icon, Mr. James Raymond Scott. Hello, Jimbo. Hello, hello. How are you today? I'm, I'm as well as can be expected. Thank you. How are you? I am fan-fucking-tastic. You look great. Thank you. Thank you. I know. We are joined by our good friend and superlative Audio engineer, Mr. Brian Gardner. Brian, how are you today, sir? Uh, I'm feeling fine and dandy. Thank you. <laughs> Both fine and dandy. Those, those two, you know, they go together a lot. <laughs> you know, people, you know, when was the last time you were like, how are you doing? And somebody's like, dandy. Not so fine, but dandy. <laughs> yeah, they're not very often separated. They're kind of always used together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As, I mean, you could be a dandy. That's a that's a thing. Mm-hmm. You can uh, shop at a dandy mart. At a, a dandy, dandy mart. I often do. Yeah. yeah. Now that I work right next door to one. You you are. It's literally connected to the same building. It is the same building. Yep. That is what buildings that are connected are. It's just the one. <laughs> just the one building. Just, They're not even. Just to, clar- just one just to clarify. Just in case <laughs> it was unclear. <laughs> Gentlemen. Ah, that's good thinking there, Cool Breeze. Cool Breeze is a kid with three or four days beard sitting next to me on the stamp metal bottom of the open back part of a pickup truck. These are the opening two sentences of Tom Wolfe's classic book, The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. The nonfiction novel chronicles the antics of Ken Casey and his band of merry pranksters as they journey deeper and deeper into their consciousness. The whole trip started in the woods of La Honda, California, where the pranksters would rig up lights and music and see just how far they could take it. Eventually, one set of woods just wouldn't do, so the crew loaded up on a bus and took the show on the road. The bus was emblazoned with just one word on the front, further. The word became a battle cry of the counterculture. The exploits of the group would become legend. Over the course of the journey, they would cross paths with the Hells Angels, the Grateful Dead, Allen Ginsberg, and other icons of the Beat Generation. 
The driver of the bus, Neil Cassidy, would go on to be the inspiration for Jack Kerouac's On the Road Wrecking Ball, Dean Moriarty. I read On the Road when I was 27 years old. If I had read it in high school like everyone else, I surely would have run away from home, taken my chances on the open road. I think there's just something in the human genome that propels us forward. From Ferdinand Magellan to James Tiberius Kirk, there's something in our DNA that pushes us to boldly go where no person has gone before. You call it further, call it progress, you call it whatever they want, whatever you want. They say happiness comes from the achievement of goals. And we are a species that likes, at the end of the day, to be closer to our goals than we were when we woke up. To this effect, it just makes sense that there's a group of forward-thinking rock and rollers pushing the boundaries of what music can be. They are the visionaries. They are the dreamers of dreams. Today, we're taking a brief look at rock and roll's true progressives. That's right. We're going prog today. So strap in, good people, because we're in a rush to get to the dream theater with laughter and good times as our muse. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> that, was, that was not my best. It's awesome. It's awesome. We're in a rush to get to the dream theater. You're a genius. Uh, <laughs> uh, and also, I don't know if you know, King Crimson's Neil and Jack and Me. It's on either uh, Three of a Perfect Pair or Beat. I know I listened to it today, but there's a song called Neil and Jack and Me, which is about Mill Cassidy and, and Jack Kerouac. Interesting. I mm-hmm. don't know. I listened yeah. to their first record this week, King Crimson's, um, but I'm not super familiar with their catalog. Well, you need to be familiar with the Adrian Ballou. We'll talk about this later. No. Mm-hmm. Well, before we start talking about any of that, Jimbo, what have you been listening to this week? Um, well, obviously, uh, I, I, I'll say it. Uh, while researching this, I put on the song. Uh, 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 I, I, I listened to just, uh, some prog mixes, uh, a lot of them. But at a certain point, I put on uh, Follow You, Follow Me by Genesis. And I really, really liked what spun off of that. I can't remember which tense I was supposed to use. Spun, span, sp- spanned. What? It's sp- spanned. spanned. No. It's it's. Sp- I don't know what it is. It's. I believe it's. Spun. Was spinning it's... off of that, and uh, it, a lot of stuff. Rush. Uh, it it played. It played like one song that I skipped out of like twenty, which is, for me. It's pretty good. So it was good, but a lot of a lot of cool stuff. A lot of Peter Gabriel. Nice. Oh, that's all. Awesome. Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Brian, what have you been listening to this week? Deftones most recently. Uh, Love Deftones. Around the Fur oh. and White Pony, oh. specifically. And I'd, I'd really, uh, and Around the Fur, for I guess, era, like the year it came out was important because that was right in my time of that kind of music and everything. But there's something really musical about the drums on that record that really, really gets me. It, it just tonally is so pleasing to me. Yeah, at the beginning of Shove It, that little ding at the beginning of Shove It, right? Or My Own Summer, or whatever it's called, Shove It, Mm -hmm. My Own Summer. I believe, yeah, it's both actually. (laughs) I saw those dudes uh, one time. They were uh, they opened for Three Eleven, and they put on a hell of a show. Oh yeah, Uh, they're like one of those bands that is just better than than the group of bands they got lumped in with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like that happens. They were they were just game changers too. I mean, it's like. You know, they were like, there's these pretty eerie melodies and like the biggest, grindiest, grong, grong you could possibly imagine. When those two things were combined, really, for the first time, not for the first time, but in the way that they were just then. Yeah. It was, it was like, it was everything I was looking for. It was like when I was first affected by Mike Patton and Faith No More, you know? Mm-hmm. 
when I heard Deftones, I, I felt the same way about it in, in, in a lot of ways. Similar quality. It has that kind of just very pretty aspect of all that. Yeah, pretty intense, over wall of sound dirty. Intense, yeah. yeah just Kind of dangerous. With dissonance. Yeah. Uh, Terrifying. A little bit of dissonance here and there. Atonal things that work. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's what makes it beautiful and eerie, just like, just uh, heartbreaking, you know? Mm-hmm. Awesome. What have I been listening to? You might yeah. ask. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, go ahead. Well, three <laughs> eleven, um, no doubt. T- tell us. I did not listen to any three eleven this week. Or no doubt. Um, <laughs> I know. Holy. Well, I was, I was trying to listen to some Prague and then I, I kind of like, Balance that out by listening to a lot of like oi 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 punk. Mm-hmm. Okay, just kind of kind of the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like the Bruisers and Coxbarer. Um, yeah, Dropkick <laughs> Murphys. You know, uh, listen to some Vandals stuff like that. I like that stuff. Yeah, so that's what I listen to this week. Um, when I wasn't listening to King Crimson's first album or Rush's first couple records, mm-hmm. uh, or Muse's first record, oh, oh yeah, is that considered prog? Yeah, I guess so. Well, we're gonna talk about that in a okay. minute. Yeah, first we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna get into all that stuff. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking prog rock this week. So here's something interesting that I learned. Uh, prog rock kind of marks the beginning of the concept of recording rock music not to dance to, but to listen to. I like that. So by many people's account, the very first prog rock songs were Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys and A Day in the Life by the Beatles. So I wanted to get your opinion on that as a jump off point for this conversation. Jimbo, uh, go uh, ahead. <clears throat> I could see if that's true. And I read, I read similar things, uh, day in life. Definitely a good vibrations only because it, it has that big breakdown. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's like, a. I would think that prog rock would be most associated with, uh, uh, the Beach Boys through Pet Sounds. Um, yes. Uh, but it, it, maybe that was the starting point for Pet Sounds, you know? Good Vibrations was on Pet Sounds. Yeah. Okay, so then I'm a fool. <laughs> so, so you're right. <laughs> so you're right. <laughs> you, you were. Um, well, Day in the Life is like, it has different sections and it has that huge crescendo and then it just changes to a completely different part of the song after that and, and I guess it really these were the, probably the first two bands that had the type of cachet that you would need to say to your producer I'm not writing radio jingles anymore I'm going to write yeah. a different kind of music and then be like yeah sure you've sold a gazillion records we'll, we'll follow you for an album or two on this yeah yeah, and, and I think that financially at the time when these things happened uh, it, it, music was at a certain point where that was financially viable. It was like, okay, we we can afford to try and influence the direction of what's considered popular music or listenable music uh, by doing th- things that might be considered a little avant-garde. 
uh, at this point. Because it I, was, was, I mean, I read several ahead. articles where that that was it was it was financially the the music business was doing very well. So there was a right. lot of uh, um, leeway uh, and and, and uh, room for them for them to do things like that, you know. And thank God, because God, we'd still be just like one four five in it right through the fucking, <laughs> you know. I appreciate that method in a way of, you know, you kind of start with that really pop, you know, popular whatever can get you to that point. And then just turn it and be like, all right, we've made enough money and just to make whatever kind of music we want. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of interesting to, to see that. I mean, beyond, you know, the Beatles and the obvious ones. Yeah. Uh, there's been some that have done it. And it's been kind of cool to, to be like, oh, you, this artist did that? That's an interesting turn. Okay. I, I read an interesting quote by Paul McCartney. Uh, he was talking about how um, they just got tired of the 12 bars got tired of it <laughs> and like we were so tired of the 12 bars and we want to do something different so we did and there's like i can't remember who it was uh from, somebody from king crimson or but there was like basically said you know if the beatles hadn't done that or somebody else hadn't come along and done that it, it we wouldn't have what we call prog rock now that seems fair that seems fair i mean if you think about Obviously, the Beatles, Beach Boys, a lot of people, some of like Zeppelin's stuff, could you say? Yeah. And they're another band that was like immensely popular and then kind of started branching off into the things that weren't what made them popular. Well, sure. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, like Achilles' Last Stand or, you know, anything like that. I, I would put that more in that prog category for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I have a couple questions that I wanted to talk about. One, uh, the first being is is being epic enough to be considered Prague. And what jumps out at me as an example of that question is the band Dragon Force. Because like, yeah. it's yeah. so over the top and it's kind of tongue in cheek. Yeah. But I, I, I wouldn't consider it Prague rock, but the hell do I know? Nothing. I mean, I don't, I don't think I would either, only loosely. I mean, Prague is hard to define, though. That's that's the problem with it. It's just... Right, like, like does it have to be odd time signatures? Do you have to have... Right, who says? Several different sections within the song. Like, it is hard to nail down. I mean, it's kind of like... Once something is defined as Prague, is it even Prague anymore? <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. Or how long does it need to be done before it's not considered Prague anymore? Because it becomes right, right. part of the norm. I, I would say that the idea well, that anyone is trying to did. make music uh, progress in a different direction is doing pro or, or rock and roll, let's say, in a different direction um, is trying is 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 creating prog rock. If you're using odd timed signatures, um, odd uh, chord structures uh, inside a, a rock uh, um, uh, <clears throat> framework. And 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 push what we call rock and roll towards something. Basically, a lot of the times it's 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 measured by using cla classical sort of um, uh, um, themes and, and uh, uh, mechanisms uh, along with rock and roll. And that and, and that is what a lot of people consider 
uh, prog rock to be. It also, something that I've kind of noticed about it, it seems to be that the, the, the lyrics are typically more storytelling. Sometimes they're kind of more fantasy or fantastic, not so much autobiographical. So like, not like the music, what's driving the songwriting isn't like this burning desire within you to say what you have to say. I feel like it's more like music that is being composed by much more like virtuous musicians as opposed to storytellers or songwriters who just have something that they got to get out. Uh, do, that's kind of rambly, but you picking up what I'm putting down there? Well, pro- yeah, yeah, I, I think that um, be more- uh, the one thing that kept popping up and it, it surprised me is that Bob Dylan uh, was cited a bunch of times uh, uh, because uh, his for being part of the lyrical influence on on what is now known as as prog rock, um, not necessarily the musicality or the or the technical skill, which is very very. Uh, no, nobody te- ever accused Bob Dylan of having. <laughs> yeah, no, he was more of just a kind of a lyrical genius and, and a storyteller. And just a very, very clever, and it's a, it was, it was taking a lot of for, for French impressionists and, and things like that. He was taking a lot of his, his lyrical style from, from, uh, um, his readings, you know, and and that, and then lending that to rock and roll, which changed, um, that part of it, you know, and then I, it, I guess it took like actual musicians to come in and actually <laughs> take it musically. <laughs> well, so then this this is actually a question that I wrote down. Is musical musical virtuosity a requirement uh, for prog rock? I mean, I feel like it is certainly the rule and not the exception. I mean, most of these guys are badass players and composers of music first, and then they choose to kind of go rock and roll with it as opposed to, I assume, some more respected genre of music like jazz or classical or something like that. What, I, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's true. Um, I think that, uh, I think that, um, yeah, first and foremost, the, the idea of wanting to not do the simple things, uh, it, it pushes you, it pushes a person to do something a, a different and, and, and progress and, and help music to progress. Um, in a society where if you let it, it'll sit there. I'll give you an example. I was in a car the other day and I don't listen to the radio very often, listen to the radio. And I heard this song come on and, uh, it had like sort of an aha, very aha eighties beat to it. And the vocals sounded like Brian Ferry meets the guy from aha. And, and it was very, it was, I was like, this is song from the eighties. I'm like, I don't know what this is. And then it got to the chorus and I'm like, no, that's a, that's a modern melody. And I was like, huh, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that's a modern melody? Well, there are things. Hey, J- Jimbo, way- Jimbo, what do you mean by that's a modern melody? There are, I mean, um, lately these songs that are that are like pop oriented are, are, you know, like popular songs currently. There's a lot of mechanisms that are getting reused and reused and reused inside of, of and I, I can't put my finger on it exactly. 
I would have to really, this is, I'm just going to be my life's fucking work is to figure out what happened in the last 10 years of music so that everything sounds like, like, like this one guy wrote all these songs. And, and probably, it's probably because one guy wrote all those songs. Well, that may be it. And I'm going to figure out who this fucker is. I'm going to send him a, a <laughs> strongly worded email. Well, it's probably the dude who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, and, and his his army of assistants will ignore that email. <laughs> I was I was going to say mail bomb. And then I'm like, no, a strongly worded email is much healthier. <laughs> um, but the idea that, you know, if you let music fall into that, it will. It will. It just will. Everyone. Well, will be- it's certainly, certainly like uh, pop, popular music. It, it'll just keep going back to the well until people say, "I'm not yeah, taking that anymore." Absolutely. And, and there's there's the one innovator. Everybody follows suit, and they kind of you know follow after that guy. And then, and then you're like, "Oh shit!" That's now all the music of that era sounds has a sound. You Dude, know, I blame uh, Max Martin. He's the guy who wrote like. Oh, like Spears, every baby, pop song in the last fifteen baby years. Warmer, yeah, he he he's literally written the majority of number one pop hits for two decades or so. That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. Um, I have to I research mean, this dude, Max Martin. Okay, Max Martin. Maybe maybe yep. we should take a lunch with him. What do you think? I, you uh, know, send him lunch. an email. See if he's available. It's a strongly worded email. Strongly, strongly worded. I'd use the word please several times. <laughs> uh, I don't say please. I mean, like you motherfucker. <laughs> uh, it might. It might be hard. I don't know. I, I believe he's Swedish, and I actually believe he still resides in Sweden. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, he started with Robin, right? That was his. I believe he started with Robin. Yeah, is that what? Yeah, that's very very possible. Uh, uh, but I mean, yes. yeah. Back so he's, he's rolling around a pile of money with a bunch of ideas, and he doesn't. Taylor Swift. He never gets stagnant because everyone wants to hear that cool thing you did with that other song. Let's do it again because it's it's yeah. clearly people aren't tired of it yet. So he's just rolling around with the one idea. But so yeah. just a quick uh, just a quick little fact about that because I had to look at it. Uh, he's the only, or is the songwriter with the third most number one singles on on the chart ever behind Paul McCartney and John Lennon. McCartney, Lennon, Eek. Martin. <laughs> yeah, this guy's a hit factory. Wow. But I th- yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, that was a anyway. tangent. So uh, back to the Prague rock. Uh, one last question: Is it strictly music by and for music nerds? Well, as we established yes, on no, the last no. episode, we did is that at a certain point, the geek becomes the chic. And I think that um, once, um, you know, people realize or, or enough people realize, let's say not everyone's going to get it. Some people are like, yeah, I can't I can't really tap my foot to that. It doesn't match up. It's not right. I don't understand why it goes to that weird thing that's happening there. You know, not everyone's going to get it. But the people who do become the people in the know and I think that it's it's growing and expanding. I think that a, a lot, a lot. Hopefully, I mean, in a perfect world, I hope that more, more and more people are enjoying it. I hope so too. I mean, there's definitely been some big prog acts. I mean, there are definitely a, more that are kind of relatively unknown. But but at the same time, like there's a there's definitely an audience for it. 
Well, I mean, Muse is still filling stadiums worldwide. Right. Dream, I mean, right. Dream Theater is like they're all yeah, huge. All, all their stuff on Spotify has tens of millions of spins. Yeah. Right. Rush, I mean, Rush has how many hits? Um, well, speaking of bands that have done well and bands maybe that haven't, we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back. We'll just kind of start talking about some of our favorite prog rock bands. We'll be right back. And we're back. Just going to go through and uh, talk about some of our favorite prog rock bands and or jams. Uh, who wants to start us off? Brian, why don't you start us off? Sure. Uh, I guess, I mean, there's so many. There's so, so many. Because prog is such a expansive genre. But one that always stuck with me, and one I've been probably listening more than most during this whole thing is the Mars Volta. Oh yeah, I listened to some of them this week. Yeah, the guitar playing is is one of those things where you know it's chaotic, sloppy, but it all somehow fits together. But the the backbeat, the the rhythm section of that is just undeniably tight and cool shit going on. That I, I listen to a lot of those records, and they're just so weird and long and meandering. It's you know you, you you have to listen to it from front to back kind of thing to even appreciate what they're doing. Uh, so that was a big one, and you know the classics, a lot of Genesis. Genesis was big in there, uh, but yeah, I don't know. They're, again, it's hard it's hard to pin it down because there's just so much. I'll say before uh, before we get. And something else, I just wanted to say one of the things that I seems to come up with these records over and over again is that they are they're not singles driven. I mean, they are albums front to back, and yeah. that is how they're designed to be consumed. Right. And um, there's always a jet. Like it seems like even if there is a radio song, there's usually better songs on the record. I know everybody always says that about every record, but this is true. I mean, just because. Typically, the most easily digestible music that these bands do is not necessarily. I mean, like the the best songs are sometimes like 12, 14, 15, 18 minutes right. long. Yeah. So, um, Jimbo, you talk about King Crimson because you taught me about the, I believe it's called a Chapman stick, which I'd never heard of before. Yeah. Uh, Tony Levin uh, was famous for, of course, being. Uh, the bass player and Chapman Stick player in King Crimson. Also, uh, is Peter Gabriel's bass player, and um, and also has done a lot, lot of things stuff. over the years. Um, I, I, I um, the Chapman Stick is a eight to ten, eight to twelve string instrument that is worn in a harness, sort of. Um, you just kind of wear this belt thing that slides in there, and then the rest of it kind of hangs over your shoulder. You get a little strap over the shoulder. And it's played uh, mostly by tapping. You don't actually strum the strings. You just kind of tap them. And um, um, so the action is super close. The pickups are such that they can pick up all of that, all of that, uh, everything just from tapping. And um, it has a larger range than um, really a, than a piano. Um, so it might be the has might have the largest range of any non-digital instrument ever. 
Um, it's 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 huge. It's huge. Um, but it's used a lot. And a great example is a song called Elephant Talk uh, by King Crimson on the album Discipline. It's the opening track. And it's very, very clear right out of the right out of the gate that this is something you've never heard before. And it's it's just awesome. Um, I feel like like prog rock in general, like getting away from that, talking about that, I feel like prog rock in general was or is rather uh, 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 more concerned with making things in the studio that you're not necessarily that concerned with creating live. Okay. Um, True. You don't think about like you don't you don't like have like uh, you know you write a bunch of songs and then and then you're like well I don't want to do anything in the studio that we can't do live because you don't you don't think about it that way you're gonna wow. do as much as you can in the studio and then figure out a way to do it live. Post. Kind of. Sometimes. Uh, I will say, because I was going to mention earlier about the Mars Volta, like, I love those records. I've seen that band at least once, I think maybe twice, and both times were, yeah, twice, and they were they were just not good live performances. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Something lacking. I've, I've heard that a lot. Yeah. I've I mean, it, lot. It, you know, they have a lot of presence, and, you know, it's a cool thing, you know, aesthetically and everything else, but... The music is something left to be desired. In a way. I, I don't think that it's bad musicianship. I think that it's no. it's music that doesn't translate well to a live performance. That's exactly right. You can't. You just can't recreate. Some you of can't the stuff do that it. You did a lot of you just cannot do it. It's just not physically possible. And I think that. I mean, maybe it is physically possible. Maybe like somebody like uh, one of those crazy like like uh, one of those guys called Umphreys McGee or something could pull it off. But you know. But with a lot of people, like you're talking like a 12 or 15 person band. Yeah, yeah that's not necessarily it. It's 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 a lot of the feel is not like, especially with that. I mean, I, I don't even know when I listen to Mars Volta, I'm, pr I'm pretty good at being able to count time signatures. I'm actually there, pretty darn good at it. You are. You, I, I, I will vouch for that. When I listen to Mars Volta, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> hey, I don't dude, even bother. I'm like, I don't I'm, even think they know. That's the thing. Like, it's they're just like, uh, uh, it's all the stuttery. Like, I know what I, I know where things start and stop, but I never mathematically try and figure it out because it, it's, it's just it's just it's just there. It's perfect. You're, it's beautiful, yeah, and it's you, and it's awesome. They did a hell of a job in the studio. Oh, maze balls. I, 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 if I were to, I would go see them live, I think it would be disappointing only from the stories that I've heard. Um, and I, it's sad, but hey, we got those studio moments that were just fucking killing it. <laughs> well, you know who's supposed to be awesome live that I've not seen that I really want to see is Tool. And yeah. I mean, that's if that's not modern prog, then I don't know what, what the hell is. Because those guys, I mean, their stuff's just all over the place. But man, I've heard that their show was just like, a Pink Floyd show on steroids. Yeah, it really it's, is. It's an experience. Yeah, you. you Have I, you guys I've, seen them? I've never. No. I've, I've seen videos. Uh, I've seen videos, live videos. Yeah, I've seen and videos. I mean, but some of the video. I mean, it's. I can only imagine what it's like. It, yeah. It's an. Yeah, you, you're in it. Like you need to be involved. Like it's intense. Yeah. But they're. Uh, they have a song on. Uh, Anima track two is called Eulogy. That's my favorite mm -hmm. of theirs. I think. I think that's my that's very good. I know it's track two on that album. I think it's my favorite song. <laughs> um, but it's uh, oh, it's so long. It's so heavy. 
out of nowhere. Um, but they're yeah, they're a good a good example of of uh, more recent progressive rock and or roll and extraordinarily popular. Extraordinary. Yeah. They have such an enormous following. It's it's not even so when you say is this is this nerd music or geek music? Well, if the geeks are taking creating an army and taking over, then they win because uh, Tool is enormously popular. Well, uh, uh, you know, a crowd of theirs at a, would be an, a really eclectic mix, I think, just because. It spans. I mean, I, I I feel like you have metalheads, you have geeks, you have, you know. Well, the, the, this like, is the, really uh, musically the first savvy. time I saw Primus. It was like that. I mean, it was just yeah. like metalheads. And then I swear there was a kid who's sitting with his mom. He was like 14 and looked like he did not spend a lot of time outside, but probably played the hell out of some instrument. And he yes. was there. Yeah. And, right. and everything in between, and like stoners and freaks and just super music nerds. I mean, it was an amazing yeah, cross-section of humanity all rocking out to this Primus show. Primus, again, I mean, that's... Primus kind of is its own thing, but it, it, it's definitely... If you had to throw it in a category, this would be a good one to throw I it think in. The, yeah, yeah, I, I would, would definitely throw uh, Primus in the In the top category. three of genres. Because it's them. experimental. And yeah. it's, it's moving in a direction. It's not standing still. I think that's the basic the basic gist of it is that anything that's moving in a direction, not standing still and, and not, not, um, not using traditional methods to entertain us. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Not like intro verse bridge verse chorus verse chorus twice. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, there's time and place for that. And there's plenty of music that I love that is that, but this is not that. No. Um, Unless you're Rush, and then you're like, we have that, except we're going to go on these journeys in between those elements. <laughs> yeah, like half of the verses in five, the other half's in seven. You figure yeah. it out. You right. know? Right. If you can't do the math, I don't know what to tell you. Right. Two measures of three. What is so complicated about this? Why, <laughs> can't, why you can't you understand what we're shut doing? Shut up and eat your soup. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am playing the keyboard with my feet while I'm playing the bass. Yes. What of it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand this is the problem for you. What the hell? What's wrong with you people? Um, Jesus, are you not Canadian? Do, doesn't everyone do this? <laughs> um, there is a band that I, I wanted to bring up. They're kind of hometown heroes in that they're from upstate New York, but Coheed and Cambria. Yeah. yeah. Again, man. Those like uh, my I've, wife I've, knows them. She uh, they're from around where she grew up. She's yeah, Hope Well Junction, yeah. right? Mm. Uh, kind of, yeah. It's it's you know. Um, I forget specifically, like uh, Spring Valley, Nanuet kind of area, I believe. Mm. But so their stuff is all like these concept records about like this universe that the singer wrote. Yeah. And then wow. created comic like, It's like a comic book, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, he wrote novel. He, he wrote, yeah. uh, which is a comic book that actually was illustrated by one of our local fellas here in Ithaca. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, why am, why am I forgetting his name right now? Aaron, God, I hope Aaron he's not Cooter. listening to our podcast. Uh, well, I just said it like three times. What'd you say? <laughs> say Aaron it. Cooter. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Cooter. Um, <laughs> and I'm gonna say is well, I, yeah, I feel like we don't like to name drop, but I feel like in the context. Well, of, this is like in this context, I feel yeah. like it's appropriate. Yes, but yeah, those dudes are awesome. I I had a 
I was li- I was watching a video with my daughter of them playing one of their songs live. It was the first song off of the Good Apollo. Uh, I'm Burning Star Four, yep. which is a gr- the opener of that record is monster. right. There's like two little tracks that are like these things, and then and then there's the song. Yep, which is like metal as fuck. It, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but so so they're playing it. I mean, they're just ripping right into it. There's like a fan blowing on the guy's hairs all over the place, and my daughter just looks at me and goes, "Daddy." I hate to say this, but this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is your daughter like? What kind of music? Oh, man. She likes Kids Bop Kids. Uh, I, I she likes slows. Kids Bop, Jimbo, is, oh, this uh, is a whole, <laughs> clean a whole versions thing. of pop music sung by kids. They're called Kids Bop Kids, yeah. and it's kids with a Z. Yeah. Well, that's clever. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> They do every. I mean, there's like, freaking. They got like 50 albums out. I mean, every so every much. month there's yeah. like an, another a half dozen one. tracks by. This Good lord! Band. So they must have to they like change the lyrics a little bit to make them less adult yep. or something. Yeah, hmm. yeah. They take the cuss words less. out, but they put other words in. And yeah, so like soup. Um, you know, they make it all kid friendly. Yeah. yeah, it's very very soup centric. Yeah, soup. <laughs> talk a lot of soup. Oh, uh, bisques and whatnot. Like uh, so, I here's an example. Whatnot. So they do, um, they do that Macklemore song, Pawn Shop, right? Thrift store, thrift store, thrift pawn store, shop, yeah. whatever, whatever the hell uh, that is. And then there's a lyric where he says, "I probably should have washed it. It smells like R. Kelly's sheets." And then he goes, "Piss." So anyway, in the Kids Bop version, they go, "We probably should have washed them. They smell like my soccer cleats." Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kids Bop. You um, know when they when they um. Like it was like uh, TBS or whatever, like uh, altered um, uh, uh, the Big Lebowski, Big Lebowski? for TV. Oh, yeah, yeah and was, he, this is what happens, Larry. Find you a find a stranger in the, in the Alps. The Alps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so and of course good. he has yeah, to repeat it again and again and again. <laughs> yes. uh, what do you? What is that? What happens? It's a See what happens, Larry? Nice, nice. Oh, that is just oh. ironic. Arthur Digby Sellers wrote the bulk of the series. <laughs> and a good day to you, sir. <laughs> and a fine day to you, sir. Um, okay, well, before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask you guys a question. Uh, what's your favorite track on Dark Side of the Moon? Mm. Us and Them. Nice. I also would say Us and Them. Ooh, wow. Okay, now I feel like I have to go in a different direction. because You don't have to. If that's your favorite, then that's your favorite. Um, man, I don't know. On the run. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Was, I looked yeah. up the the Us minor so major seventh recently, the chord, and like was researching it, and like the combination of notes, and us and them came up for that. And Interesting. Yeah, because it's such a dark chord that I'm a little bit obsessed with, and so I just sometimes I just sit in a chair and just strum the chord over and over again just to really feel the way the notes feel against each other. And, uh, yeah, it's in, it's in, yeah, so it's there. So, so you got that. So, so that's <laughs> happening. I got that so going that's, for that's me. It, that's, that's <laughs> um, well, that's prog rock in a, a very, very tiny nutshell. Uh, I mean, this is, you, we, we could spend, you could do a show just, you could do an entire podcast just about, prog rock oh there's but, some out there uh, yeah there, yeah I'm, I'm 
I'm sure. I mean, when I said you, I meant specifically not me. I couldn't, but somebody could. <laughs> Someone can. Do <laughs> um, you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? There's so many things I want to talk <sighs> yeah. about, but I, I can't focus on any of them. <laughs> okay, so that's a no from Jimbo. Yeah, Brian? No, no. I mean, I, f- I feel like I've said all that I'm going to say that's even worth saying. So. Fair enough. <laughs> And probably that's not even worth it. So it'll, it'll all, it's all going to come out in the lounge later. <laughs> right. Stick around. All right. Well, that is the show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're feeling frisky, you can stay tuned after this outro for a section we like to call the lounge, where we get a little loose and talk about this day in music history and a billboard top 10 from back in the day. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please tell a friend, subscribe and rate and review us on your platform of choice and share us on your social media. If you are kind enough to review us, we will read it on the show. Verbatim. We publish through Anchor. You can check us out there by going to anchor.fm slash music dash mostly. You can subscribe to the show on all the major podcast platforms. You can check out our website at musicmostlypod.com. You can find and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify by searching for Music Mostly Pod. We post teasers and stuff like that on Twitter and Instagram, and we publish a playlist for each one of our episodes on Spotify. You can hit us up at musicmostlypod at gmail.com if you want to get in touch. For Jimbo and Brian, this is Will signing off. We'll see you in the lounge in just a minute. Welcome to the lounge, boys and girls. While we were on break, we discovered that On the Run is not Brian's favorite song off of Dark Side of the Moon. It's actually... Breathe. I'm doing my best NPR voice right now. It sounds a little more like Billy D. Williams. A little Ooh, bit. Ooh, yeah, I Billy like D. Little soft. Speaking of Billy D. Williams, Randall uh, Calrissian. <laughs> um, today, as we record this, it is December nineteenth, and uh, twenty twenty is almost over. Not that everything's just going to get magically fixed on the first. I. I actually wouldn't be surprised if it was just like, what do you mean it's December 32nd, 2020? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it still won't mark a year, though. It'll, it won't. It'll still be like just like nine months, the gestation nine. period of a, of a human child. Yeah. COVID's almost ready to be born. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and really gonna, show it's... We're going to birth really, that. Oh, really start... <laughs> Shit on things. I'm stopping. I'm stopping. (laughs) All right. So in 1957, today, Elvis Presley had his draft notice served for the U.S. Army. He went to join the 32nd Tank Battalion, 3rd Armor Corps, based in Germany. So that happened. And then he died on a toilet. Yeah. Lots of drugs. I I mean, I I feel like a lot of things happened in between those two things. (laughs) Probably. Who who summed that life right up? Yeah. (laughs) Um, If you you haven't done it, I urge you both to watch a film called Bubba Hotep. Oh, Oh, yeah. I have a great story about that. I love that movie so much. Bruce Campbell. What's the the story, Will? Bruce fucking Campbell, dude. That guy. Can we hear that story? I don't know, man. There's somebody I'd like to take out to lunch. Right there. Bruce Campbell still alive. Let's see if we can get get Bruce Campbell to swing by and I'll make him some, you know, some Is he is he alive? (laughs) Do we have to like exhume his corpse? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Fucking burn notice. I know that was ten years ago. Whatever. I think he is alive though. Okay, good. (laughs) Well, I I, am hoping. 
Oh, man. I saw Bubba Hotep on, it would be, I guess, March 16th, 2004, possibly 2005. Why would you, how would uh, you know it was March 16th? Because uh, um, so I, I remember, I, no, I just remember that the that it was the night before St. Patrick's Day because I had taken St. Patrick's Day off to go out drinking. And it was the night before that. But we uh, made some brownies and ate them. And then went to see Bubba Hotep in this independently owned, operated movie theater so in North. That's the only place Nero. you were going to see that movie. <laughs> and that movie is, I just remember being very, very confused, <laughs> very scared. And when we left, uh, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, but is now my wife, was like, hey, you left your jacket in the movie theater. And I remember just being like, well, that jacket's just gone. It's I'm gone now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never see that again. The movie was not that weird. Uh, it was it's that weird. It's weird. It's that movie sucks. Oh, because the brownies. Uh, Sorry, is that. Oh, Does that, that was like I. The last thing I remember before falling asleep was was like as I was falling asleep, I was going, "I am still higher now than I was a minute ago." <laughs> well, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. progressively oh, high. Good times. Mm-hmm. Too high. Nineteen sixty four. The Supremes scored their third U.S. number one single of the year mm. when Come See About Me went to the top of the charts. That's a good song. Yeah, three number ones. See about me. Yeah, God, they three were number good. ones in a year. I mean, that's... That's that's quality. What, what were the other two? I don't know. Uh, okay, but, never mind. Never mind. I didn't write that part down. I'm not going to make you look it up. You, you, you must have me confused with a good podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> common common mistake. Um, in 1969, the Beatles' latest Christmas record, titled "The Beatles' Seventh Christmas Record," was released to members of their fan club in the UK and the US. So I don't know if maybe they just released a small record of Christmas songs to their fan club every year or what. That is literally 100 percent of the context that I have about that. Well, that's unfortunate. Christmas music is the worst. Uh, it is bad. I disagree. The greatest disagree Christmas record of all time is Neil Diamond's Christmas. Now, first of all, he's Jewish. Yeah. He, <laughs> and yeah, he, he made maybe the greatest Christmas record. Other than Ray Charles' Christmas is really fucking good. I don't like Christmas music. Yeah, it's I, I don't like the fact that there's, you know, 50 songs out there that people keep rehashing over and over again so for the bad. sake of a damn holiday. I don't. I think it's douchey. It's weird. it's also punishment that you have to listen to all of them crammed into like a month out of every fucking year. And say what you will about George Michael, but you know he came along with that that song that now has become a classic. Last, Last Christmas, Christmas, you broke my heart. heart. Right. That's the actually not a terrible day. Christmas song, though. You okay, okay. Um, speaking of prog rock, type O negative. Which yeah, uh, isn't isn't really prog rock, uh, but no. they did, they have a, yeah, they have a maybe. Christmas song called Red Water Christmas Morning, and it is so sad. I mean, it's like super sad. It's like it's talking about how the table is set for fewer people this year because we've lost so many of our friends and family over the past year. It's like well, it's like I mean, it's one of the worst things, man. It's like, but it's I love that they did it. Red Water Christmas what? Morning. Red water Christmas morning by uh, by typo negative. Okay, 
Uh, I'm just saying it's, it's we'll put that on the playlist. Oh, if it's, if it's yeah. available. It's, we so, will. it's available, but it's so uplifting. So <laughs> I, on the other hand, love Christmas music. Well, love well, it. Love it. Love how it. How dare you? It. Um, but Christmas has been a big deal in my family, like my whole life. And, and I, I've just, I, I love music. I, I have to wait until after Thanksgiving to start playing it. Cause I want to start playing it as soon as Halloween's over. Oh, you're and that, you're that guy. Yeah, I am. I am. I, I, but it's one of those things uh, that, you know, when people say I don't like it, I'm like, yeah, all right. I understand. You're wrong, but yeah, I understand. I just think you should do yourself a favor. Um, I would start with the Neil Diamond Christmas record because it's, it's his version of Oh Holy Night. Oh. Uh, oh, you, be still my heart. I know. I know. I know. I know. Uh, yeah. But there's other things, too, obviously. Ray Charles Christmas, ho ho ho! Yeah. Don't even. I mean, not just, bad. Not bad. Don't get me started. It's just so damn good. You know, I'll, that, I'll give. Remember that moment in um, in uh, 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 Christmas Vacation when he's like up in the, he's up in the attic and like watching the yeah. old movies dressed in the, and then like oh. the thing. Up, that's that's off that Ray Charles Christmas record. Oh, and okay. Oh, that so song good. is so good. Oh, I haven't watched that movie yet. Really should. Oh, we watch oh, it on oh, I've seen Thanksgiving like four times last month, yeah. dude. Oh man, I got. We yeah. watch it every year uh, on Thanksgiving evening. She's a beaut, Clark. It's a beaut, Clark. It's a beaut. Uncle Lewis. Hey, oh. Grizz. Since you're not doing anything productive, why don't you go in the other room and get me my stogie? <laughs> this is like it might be his last Christmas. He keeps it up. It will be his last. It will Christmas. be his last. <laughs> uh, oh, he's like those little lights aren't twinkling, Clark. I know, Art, and thanks for noticing. <laughs> thanks for noticing. <laughs> I was over at, uh, what do you call it, the other day, uh, uh, Uncle Joe's, and it was playing, and there's the moment when, like, um, and I'm sitting there with Spike, and 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 the moment came up where it was um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and um, whoever played Todd. Her His name's Todd. husband, right? yeah. And they're trying to figure out why there's water all over the floor. Why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, I don't- Todd. <laughs> oh, he, she goes. And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? He goes. I don't know, Margot. Margot, right, right. Oh, oh my God, so, Todd and Margot. Like, so, sh- fun fact: uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus and Todd, whoever played him, they actually didn't meet anybody else in the cast. They shot all of their scenes separately. Separate. And if oh. you really, if you watch, you'll notice that they're never actually on screen with any of them. Yeah, they're guys. not. Yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're in sh- their house. They're um, always they the shot all asshole in his bathrobe. Yeah. <laughs> and I opened the window to see an asshole in his bathrobe emptying a chemical toilet into an open yeah. sewer. <laughs> She's like, you, you don't want breakfast? He's like, I'm not in the mood. <laughs> Have you checked out shitters, honey? <laughs> Merry Christmas. Shitters full. <laughs> Oh, solid gold, man! Oh, it, it, does, it doesn't get any better than that. That's like literally oh. the best shit ever. It, it's the best oh. Christmas movie. I mean, is anyone going to argue that? Uh, I mean, maybe oh. other than Christmas. Um, purists, purists will say it's a wonderful purists. life. Or, well, well, no, I don't give a shit. I don't about know. I mean, that. the money's in your house, Sean. Your house. Oh, what the hell are you doing in my money in your house, Fred? <laughs> Sorry, that's most Sislak. <laughs> there's that, and there's uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I mean, those yeah. are the classics. Yeah. But, nah. um, I don't. Know, I would put Elf up there. I mean, I feel like they they uh, freaking knocked that out of the park. I feel like that was what about this amazing. What about the record. Santa Claus with Tim Sa- Allen? A Chris. Hey, Christmas. Speaking of Tim Allen, Christmas with the Cranks is actually Christmas with the Cranks. Oh yeah, Christmas with the Cranks is a good one. 
You better be quiet or they put you in a Tim Allen <laughs> a Christmas movie with Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. In 1970, uh, Elton John's first U.S. hit, Your Song, entered the Hot 100, where it went on to reach number eight. You can tell The Hollies had been offered the song, and Three Dog Night had already recorded a version, which is included on their It Ain't Easy album. Fuck Three Dog Night. Sorry. I, li- I like the line, <laughs> if I were a sculptor, but then again, no. Uh, <laughs> nah, never mind. I'm, we're just, I'm backing out. <laughs> Move on. I'm passing. Move along. Um, like, what's his name? Uh, uh, this, the lyricist. Um, Bernie Taupin. Bernie Taupin, yeah. Like, did he really, like, was he thinking that was a good idea? If I were a sculptor, but then again, no. Or a man with a, with like, uh, in a traveling show, right? I don't know, man. Yeah. Oh, are you doing Neil Diamond right now? Well, I'm doing Neil Diamond all the time. Yeah, I, that's all I can do is Neil Diamond. And, that's anything, all I can do. It's pretty it much. De- <laughs> it all degrades to that. <laughs> oh, no. I go, I go one level beyond, which is Tom Waits. And uh, oh, yeah, that's you're just crossing. That's pretty the line, much huh? my that's my repertoire right there. Um, in 1981, and this is the last thing apparently that happened on this day in music history. ABBA scored their seventh UK number one album with The Visitors, their eighth and final studio album. Seven. What was the, What was the hit off that one? I, I don't know. I count on you for for these facts. Well, yes. just read me the list of songs, and I'll tell you which one was the hit, or the ones that I love at least. <laughs> <laughs> They're all hits to me. Uh, help, yeah. help me reminisce, my friend. So you're telling me my wife didn't leave me because... <laughs> so, so what you're right. saying is my wife didn't leave me because of Neil Diamond. <laughs> the Visitors, Head Over Heels, When All Is Said and Done, Soldiers, I Let the Music Speak, One of Us, Two for the Price of One, Slipping Through My Fingers, Like an Angel Passing Through My Room, Should I Laugh or Cry, The Day Before You Came, Cassandra, and Under Attack. I know none of those songs. Yeah. I probably know all of them, oh. but I just don't know their titles. I because you didn't say Chikatita, Fernando, or because <laughs> those are my favorite songs of all time. I got to be honest with you. I mean, you say you love ABBA, but I don't think I've ever heard you sing another song except for Chikatita. I mean, I think it just might be a Chikatita. It's a little bit of a yeah. It's a little bit of a problem. I have a Chikatita problem. I'm Chikatita problem. I'm, I'm working with my therapist about it. What the hell is Chikatita? That's all I want to know. I don't know what, what it that, is either. I don't mean? know. I don't know where mean? the word came from. Um, I would. I don't want to research Weird. it right now. Swedish. Um, but Aren't I will they, say that Swedish in the too. movie of my life, that would be the opening credits. Why do the Swedes write the best songs? Do they? Is that a thing? Well, uh, we're talking about Ma- Max. Oh, Martin. Max. Max. What's his name? Yeah, we talked about him earlier. Literally. Behind Paul McCartney and John Lennon for the most song, like biggest songs ever. That's uh, so interesting. I, I got to research. He's a sweet, sweet. Is that is that offensive to call someone a Swede? No, I don't think so. so. so, no. so like, no, I think that, that, <laughs> good, that's good. what they're called. Yeah, remember that that movie Summer <laughs> Rental, that John Candy movie where? Oh, I love that's that one movie. of my favorites. There's a, there's a Scotsman named Angus, but Rip Torn's character keeps calling him a dumb Swede. Yeah, dumb Swede. I'm a Scot. I can't get him out sail. Look at her sails and stuff. Four stories high, she be. Fish sticks all around. Cinco scullies, the sketches of the day. day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a frozen fish. <laughs> 
I love it. my favorite line in that movie is my favorite line in the movie is when like she shows him her boob job and he's like she's like how do these look to you he's like similar similar <laughs> then you hear oh who's that? oh that's Ed ten thousand dollars for the like, set yeah, it's uh, like, that's that's something the whole see, family it was either can power tool or these things like, oh I think you made the right choice I really. <laughs> Those are good for the whole family. <laughs> Those are good for the whole family. Fun for the whole family. <laughs> like, do you remember the the king of the? There was an episode of King of the Hill where Hank's dad is Cotton Hill is married to like a woman from his like kindergarten class. Yes. Well, that's like, her. Yeah, this is Dee Dee. Dee Dee. Take a look at your stepmom's new tatas. Got a deal on them. Both lefties. Well, have you have you seen any of these like weird wall-eyed boob jobs? So they're, they're like they're like, like point, I, I haven't. I haven't they, seen any. They just point in different directions. Like they're not even they're unwielding. They're just you know. Well, you know, uh, you're. I feel like you're just cheaping out. You're going. It's like Doctor Nick Riviera. You're. Getting, <laughs> what Doctor Spaceman. Doctor Spaceman. This is that. You went to upstairs Spitzman. medical college too. <laughs> I love it. I you really love. should go see him, Lemon. Leo's an excellent physician and a pretty good dentist. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Spaceman. Dr. Spaceman. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's see here. Uh, birthdays. There's a few people born today. In 1944, Zal of The Love and Spoonful was born. Best known for their U.S. number one hit in 1966, Summer in the City. I mean, it seems like a reaching a little bit this city. week. With this, uh, but this, this, I'm not gonna lie to you. He's he's by far the most famous person born today. Hot sun, summer in the city. Yeah, who are these people? Good lord, what a terrible oh, day! Oh man. Um, <laughs> all right, in 1947, Jimmy Bain was born. Scottish musician, best known for playing bass guitar in the bands Rainbow and Dio. Also worked with Thin Lizzy frontman Phil Lynott, co-writing his solo albums. Died January 23rd, 2016, while in his cabin on Def Leppard's Hysteria on the High Seas Cruise. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, why did he work with Phil Lynott? Because he, because Phil was like a was the bass player. Worked with him on his solo albums. I don't know. Did he play bass on his solo albums? I mean, I would think that he would. He was he was a talented bass player. I wonder what he, he did. Been. I wonder what he, he he must have like another role on that, and and he must have like some other uh, instrumental I mean, maybe, role. Maybe maybe he just co-wrote the songs. I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe he did not perform on those albums. Just co-wrote. Well, I don't want to speculate on that because uh, maybe that was a, a vehicle for his lyrics that he could never get in on I, Dio. I, I love Thin Lizzy <laughs> and Dio, our own Dio from right up the street here in Cortland. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, his his cousin was in the band The Rods, uh, which the, was... The Fly Rods? Not The Fly Rods. <laughs> not The Fly Rods. No, no, no. The Rods, uh, gotcha. which our own Gary Badalucci, not Badalucci, Barnadello. Gary Barnadello was the bass player and co-singer in that band. And he has been a drinker in many of our bars over the years. Your restaurant, Bandwagon. Oh, yeah. He was a drinker there. And he was also a drinker at the West Sea. And he's the one that gave me a pat on the back when I was trying to be Neil Diamond singing Ramones covers. And I got off stage, and, and I just went up to him like, dude, I feel so weird about that. That was so odd. And he's like, dude. I, I was like, I hope it was funny. He's like, it wasn't funny at all. 
And, I, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, that sucks. He says, no, he says, it didn't suck. It was beautiful. And I'm like, me singing Neil Diamond song or Ramon songs Ramon as Neil songs Diamond on a ukulele. <laughs> He's like, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. <laughs> like, well, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You filled stadiums around the world. Um. In 1949, I'm sure I'm going to say this wrong, John McEwen from American country rock band Nitty Gritty Dirt Band Oh, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Yeah, known for their uh, 1971 single, Mr. Bojangles. Ah, Mr. Bojangles. (laughs) Mr. Bojangles. Um, In 1969, the Grateful Dead played the Fillmore Auditorium in San Francisco, California. Nice date. So that's something. Yeah, they did that. We just get force-fed a a Grateful Dead factoid every time. I do you not understand how this works? Every time I say (laughs) where they played on this date, and I'm always going to complain every single time. Do you not understand how this works? It's fine if you complain. Just stop acting like you have no idea why it's happening. Well, I don't remember until it happens. Then I certainly do. I clearly oh, did not man. remember until it actually happens. Gotcha. I understand now. Um, okay. We're going to do the Billboard Top 10. We're actually going to do the Top 12. Oh, good. Uh, Thank you. From March 19th, 1994, because this is the week that Tool cracked into the Top 100 for the only time uh, with their song Prison Sex. Um, trying to remember how that song goes. It's it's interesting that this one cracked in the top 100 and and sober did not because that was a bigger single. Yeah, I remember the show. video yeah. for sober was such a big, huge video with little like the stop animation and stamp animation. Oh, uh, like, that puppet. was for uh, that was for Stink Fist. Stink Fist, Enema. yeah, that was that video. No, there was a little doll that was like. Or all of the videos were like stop motion. We huh? just be uh, sober. You're you're 100 percent right. Yeah. 99% right. Well, 100% there. right. I was there. I was there. I was there. I was totally there. I was there. I wasn't like I was there, that. man. Anywhere. I remember when Undertow came out and and we listened to it. Uh, my my brother's buddy had a Is that the one with the pig on the on pig? There's a pig on the cover? No, there's like this weird red thing. It looks like a Beetlejuice sculpture. What's one of the pig that like had a, like a uh, something shaved into it, like a name of an album shaved into it? Okay, I might be confusing it with something. Never mind. Yeah, okay. I, think I think you're. Uh, I think I probably am. Cake, cake or something. There was a. Oh, cake! Yeah, cake. Has what is that like? But that's a, like an animated. It's like a like a. Uh, no, this is. I tool had a pig on a on a, a thing they too. Did, they they sure. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. Okay, uh, so number one that week was Ace of Base with the sign. Uh, yeah, song. I That's, got the sign. Speaking of Swedish pop, dude, and right? Open Come on, we're talking Swiss, Sweden, and Switzerland. We're confusing two different places. Uh, Ace of Base is yes. also from Sweden. Wait, have we been talking about Switzerland, Switzerland, or Sweden this whole time? Sweden, 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 home to uh, talented musicians, Max Martin, okay. Robin. Ace of Base. Robin. Again, I retract yeah, Robin for the second statement. time tonight. Presumably Peter, Bjorn, and John, or at least Bjorn. I don't know. What? <laughs> <laughs> Some Scandinavian country. Um, number two is uh, The Power of Love. Oh, yeah. Not by Huey Lewis in the News, nah. but by Celine Dion. Mm. 
Oh, that power of love. Not as yeah, likable. Sorry to be disappointed, but I really kind of yeah, am. Very, le- very I... let down by that. <laughs> oh. She has like a long, long face. I mean, honestly, no, yeah. she has like a horse face. She has like a, a like a Alanis Morissette horse face. She kind of had her face. Oh, and they're like both a... Canadian. Is that a Canadian trend? No, maybe it is. They have the, uh, the like kind of shaped like a foot. Their face looks like a foot. It's oh, not good. It's not a foot good face. They face. call her <laughs> old foot face. <laughs> I, I hate to pick on the Canadians. They're such nice people, but they are. If they have like horse faces and foot faces, they're I don't think I want to get involved. I'm not going to subscribe to their newsletter. I'm not going to be like, "Yay, Canada! You have women with horse faces," and you know, okay, okay I'm going to stop right. talking with I'm their po- talking. polite. Yeah. Politeness uh, and long O's. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and you're <laughs> inappropriate say, politeness. It makes just, me feel uncomfortable. Jimbo, <laughs> just say that you're sorry so that we can move on. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm totally sorry. I'm sure I'm sorry. Number three that week is Without You slash Never Forget You by Mariah Carey. Well, I don't remember that one, but yeah, I... Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. It's probably off of Emotions, if I had to guess. I did like Mariah. Sounds though. about right. Like Number three is a hot track, What a Man by Salt and Pepper featuring Ed yeah. Vogue. And that is a hot track. Yeah, that's your that falls into the category of another episode that we had done. Does it? Does it now? Yeah, because it's ticka 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 Oh yeah. The subdivision of the beat is is uh It's just slowed down. It's just like a slow yeah. That's a hot track. Yeah, instead of it's being like instead of being it's which is swing. Gotcha. I just remember like salt and pepper videos being like, wow, I really find all three of them very attractive. Oh my god! Videos being like, oh wow, I find all four of them very attractive. And then this video came out, and I was like, well, I just don't even know. Well, there's a whole room of them now. Where do I put my hands? What do I do right now? I, I forgot that In Vogue was a part of this song, weirdly. I, I, or, or, or Salt and Pepper. I couldn't, I can't, yeah. No, I guess I knew it was Salt and Pepper. I don't know. I, I guess what a modified man. Voice like Barry with a Denzel face. Oh, so uh, good. Uh, number five was uh, Bump and Grind by one Ronald Kelly. Oh, very, uh, very nice. Very yeah, nice. we can just keep going after that. Number six. <laughs> Was uh so much in love by All for One. I forget that All for One had some hits. I remember that. This, song. I believe this was acapella, right? I believe this was uh, acapella with just snapping. Yes, that if was. If I'm thinking, if I'm remembering it correctly, it was very popular at the time. Boys so, to Men, were, or uh, yeah, they were doing it. Yeah, there was, and then Shy had uh, if I ever fall in love, that was acapella. Yeah, that was been a little earlier in this, but uh, number seven is Now and Forever by Richard Marks. Dick marks. <laughs> Wherever you go, whatever you do, be right there. Wherever you go, still on the charts oh, in '94. I mean, I, I I feel like I hear that song at least a few times a day on Light Rock '97. This one or wherever you go? Uh, well, yeah, no, not this no. one. Wherever oh, okay. you go. Um, number seven is "Breathe Again" by Tony Braxton. I remember that one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Breathe again, yeah. breathe again. And I I like Tony Braxton. Yeah. Again, very awesome. very attractive too. Yeah. Very I think maybe I mean maybe that's not was difficult more, to look at. No. We didn't uh, it wasn't hard to watch her. She wore video. those like, like skin tight outfits. 
And when I say hard, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I assume. <laughs> Number nine was Gin and Juice by Snoop Doggy Dog. Still with the doggy. Yeah. He's changed his name a lot over the years. Um, but so Gin and Juice. Very similar variation. I mean, yeah, it's been covered. And, and and appreciated. I, I think that uh, the Richard Cheese version is the one that I would, if I were at a party DJing, I think I would probably put the Richard Cheese version. It's on. a good one. Uh, only only not- to assert my geek dominance and also just show people that I don't give a fuck. Who's who does the? Is it Fish or one of those jam it's, bands? It is. It is the Gourds. Is that the Gorgs? Uh But it was uh, that cover was like of the Napster era and was typically credited to Blues Traveler, even though it was it's, not. okay. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was yeah somebody mislabeled it and then the track oh, got out too much. That was the best part about Rolling Napster was that you just you couldn't yeah. trust the label. No, no. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, I remember, um, that's how Soft Cell got credit for doing um, uh, always something there to remind me. Which was oh, yeah. Naked yeah, Eyes. That's, that's Naked Eyes, yeah. I've seen it credited to Soft Cell so many times on oh, like Na- Napster yeah. Orpheus back in the day. Yeah, you know? Stupid thing. Yeah, I feel I'm, like uh, Blues Traveler also got credit for uh, that Sister Hazel song. Yep. Uh, Hard to say what uh, it is. Whatever that song's called. Um, but Blues Traveler got credit for yeah. that a lot. Hard to say. Yeah. Because it sounds like them. Oh, it does. Baby. Yeah, the, yeah. the guy's vocals sound like that. Yeah. Um, John Popper. Didn't also have a harmonica in it? No. Well, so did he have like not blues bandoliers of harmonicas? Because that, that's how John, dude, he had that vest. That just, yeah. yeah. So, well, you know, it's like, what key is this song in? Because I got a harmonica. I got it. <laughs> just tell me. Just give me a heads up. Even if you don't, I'll hear it and then I'll just pull it out. Yeah. I mean, he only played like blues harps. He didn't play like like a chromatic one ever. I don't think. I don't know. Not that. I mean, he probably did. I just not that. Who knows? Chroma, a chromatic harmonica is not an easy thing to play. It's extraordinarily difficult and complicated. Yeah, because you have to keep like. Eh, it's weird. It's very weird. Yeah. It's very weird. It's got a button on it. Yeah, you got to keep pushing the button. The like, steps, to, like but every like. It doesn't, ju- it doesn't just shift like a keyboard shifts. It shifts everything a half step. So right, and you have to playing, like hit like, it every time. Yeah, it's, it's a coordinated. Yeah, it's like it's like nuts, man. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Son bitch. Son bitch. Uh, number 10 that week was Because of Love by Janet Jackson, which I don't remember I don't this song. Remember song. I, I imagine it was off of the, I don't know. The, I mean, I mean Janet? Janet 94, though, that's hot. I mean, I'm sure it's a hot track. Yeah. So. Was it the um, when she had like the nip slip issue? No, that would have been that would have been that was like oh three. That probably would have. I was gonna say that's probably about a decade after this record came out. Yeah, famous was Uh, that. That was pretty famous. It was famous. Thinking this might have been off that the album I believe was called Janet had that's the way love goes and if that's the one with just her face that yeah yeah. it's probably off that one because didn't Michael Jackson have a very similar record. That I believe was like it was just called fa- Michael. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. I don't know. No, it wasn't. Oh. <laughs> um, Mike. Number number eleven Mike. was a song that <laughs> should have we did we do a one hit wonders episode? Yeah, I know we, we did yeah, one. Did we I release it's actually, it? It's no, posted. Yeah, I think it's posted. No. Um, Wait. Oh yeah, it is. Oh, that yeah, was the first one. Yeah. yeah, the first one. Just one and hit. we didn't mention this song, which we should have. It's Cantaloupe 
in parentheses, Flip Fantasia by Us Three, which is a fucking hot track. I, I don't really, I don't I have no ba, idea what ba, this ba. is. It was the one that's like bitty bitty bop bop bump. It's got these horns. It's like this jazz sample. It's, it's awesome. Huh. Um, yeah. Feel the beat drop. Jazz and hip hop. It's a whole thing. But that was <laughs> a hot track. It's a whole thing. And uh, it, it's the whole package. It is one of my all-time favorite one-hit wonders, and I can't believe I didn't mention it in that um, in that episode. Uh, and then number twelve, how dare you? Just for the fuck of it, was "All for Love" by Brian Adams, uh, Rod Stewart, and, and we've Sting. talked about a this song before too. That we just keeps coming back why? over and over. Can't and over the song? Again. Is this die? why you went to twelve? Just so God. you could hit that again? Yeah, uh, that's why. Uh, for the 100%. love of God, I question your methods, sir. I question your methods. <laughs> I suppose our our list could have just gone to eleven. <laughs> is that the Three Musketeers song again? Yeah. Oh, for so Christ's good. sake. Why would you do that? <laughs> ah. oh, torture. Because, because torture. I love you too. Not the band. Specifically you too. Care. Also. Oh. Well, me me also. I feel like that means a lot more. <laughs> I am obviously a, obviously a fan obviously. of you as well. <laughs> um. Well, that's all of it. You guys got anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? I have so much I want to talk about, but, you know, we're not going to get there, and no one wants to hear it, so. It's true. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a fact. Oh, <laughs> I do have one quick thing to say. Why? How? Go on. What happened? I was thinking about, like, the compli- like complications in, like, in, like, music composition and, like, how you create them in order to create tension and, and progress towards the next thing. And I thought about Stevie wonder. And I thought about earth, wind and fire. Why are these bands not involved in that? Or how are they not classified in, in that? And I think it's because R and B lent itself to jazz. So it was just like a, it was just a, you know, it was bordering on being like yacht rock, which steely Dan or, you know, you know, whatever, but it, it wasn't because it was too cool. It was too cool for that. But it wasn't prog rock because prog rock was geeky and stupid and white. And we had like, you know, we're looking at like Stevie Wonder, Earth, Wind and Fire. Compositions were amazing and very, very uh, complicated and very uh, progressive. But not in the way that prog rock was, was being progressive. And I think that's an interesting thing to note. Okay, I'm done. Also, Funkadelic. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sure. But Funkadelic was funk for the sense, for the purpose of funk. It's like yeah. they were being funky just because. Yeah, I mean, it was just out there to be out there. Yeah. Okay. Just like no apologies, nothing. Just being funky. Rustling the fucking Family Stone, you know, like things like that. It's just like so good. But that's R and B, and it's funk. And it's a different genre, and it doesn't fall into the category. It's a different episode altogether. Well, maybe we should, maybe we should uh, do an episode. I would we like to. Should. I would like to. I would like to do another episode. Are you guys down for one more at least? Yeah, let's uh, – how about this? So so <laughs> tomorrow when I say, hey, what do you guys want to talk about next week? Instead of saying nothing, you could say like this, this stuff. Yeah. The reason I say nothing is because my life is really complicated, and I do say things. But I, I wait for you guys to have ideas, and then I just jump on board. Do you want me to say something? I'll say something. Want me to say something right now? All right. I want to talk about XTC. Okay. 
Can can you? Because we've never me? talked about XTC on this on the show. Ever. No, no, no. It's it's it never comes up. XTC three eleven. We never talk about any of. Those we never guys. talk about Joe Jackson or Elvis Costello never. or any oh, of these wonderful once. men. Um, I'll tell you what. We can do it if you ask, like Neil Diamond. You know, there was a time when I was coming up as a younger man growing up in Brooklyn. And I said to myself, how am I going to find my way without doing an episode about my friends from Swindon, XTC? <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, We're going to be here well, all week. You're going to... And also try the veal. <laughs> and try that veal, although it's not kosher. But we're going to sing you a, a baby hallelujah cow. right now. <laughs> and I'm Neil finding ways to sing about stuff. All right, I'm shutting up. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. I, we probably should have ended a couple minutes ago, but we didn't. So there you go. Uh, thank you. <laughs> for still being with us until we meet again. Always, always, always be better.